D3 mentality, you have to be that way. If you're be successful, you have to outwork people because we can't say, here's your athletic scholarship. Here's your academic package, which could be just as good. But to get them to that point, you have to create that relationship. I think we stay at this high level by treating our kids the right way, providing a great education, but also outworking everyone. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. We are back with another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. Thank you so much for being here today. I am ecstatic about today's guest, and you're about to see why. Coach Donnie Dankelson from Trine Softball. Yes, that is right down the street from me where I live in Indiana. Did you know they won the national championship last year? Did you know they were runners up the year prior? Well, this is one of the most successful programs to come out of Indiana. That's looking at D1, D2, D3, NAIA, anyone. This team is elite. And Coach Donnie has helped transform this program. And today you're going to learn a few reasons why he's the absolute goat as a coach. In this episode, you're going to learn why he has players fail every single day in practice. What exactly went into the pie of how his team came from going runner-up in 2022 to winning the NCAA title in 2023? We also talk about how his team is player-led and why that is a huge reason why they were able to win a national title last year. We talk about the word Ubuntu, and I'm pretty sure I butchered saying the word in the interview because I had no idea how to say it but now I'm never going to get it wrong. But how that crazy word has changed the absolute culture for trying softball. And you might start adopting a similar word yourself once you listen in. We also get to know a little bit more about him and what the perks of D3 coaching has on his family life, how he motivates his players to think bigger than themselves. And you know what we're doing? We are debunking the stigma of D3 and why it is a perfect fit for so many And man, I'm telling you right now, I would love to play for Don. He gets it. He understands what it takes to win. And I see very similar coaching styles to him and coach Patrick Murphy, who we recently had on the podcast. So many similarities here. And I'm so excited for you guys to learn from him. You are going to need a notebook because you're going to want to grasp all of the things Donnie has to say in this interview. All right, I'm going to stop talking and you're going to tune in to one of the coolest interviews I think I've ever had on the podcast. All right, let's head to it. All right, let's go. We are in. 
Um, glad the technical difficulties are out of the way. Uh, but if we happen to drop at some point in time, we'll, we'll be fine. Um, Donnie, I'm so excited to get you and try and softball on the podcast. It is a long overdue conversation on my end, but just so grateful to have you here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I followed the show. I followed your career. So I'm excited to have a conversation about the game we both love. I know we're neighbors. It's kind of crazy. Did you get snow the other day? Cause I did. Yeah. Yes. So we actually went okay. to that day. So my, my boys loved it. Cause they had a snowball fight in, in this all the snow Christmas tree. So yeah, it was a blast. That's a way to do it. How many, how many kids do you have? I have oh, eight tomorrow and a five-year-old at two boys. Wow. Amazing. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, five and eight years behind you with my first, but I'm sure I'll have all the questions for boys. Cause I grew up in a household of girls, as you know, so yep. we don't know what we're doing over here, <laughs> but well, you seem to have a good I have idea. And three sisters. And, uh, so I had a little blend of each. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you're not just on here because you won a national championship last year. Your teams have been consistently successful. And it's one of those where I know a lot of coaches that are listening can learn a ton from how do, how is the culture built? How are you able to get the team here? But can we just start with you going back at that national championship game? Tell me about it from your perspective that day. Um, you know, just a crazy day. Um you know, our kids are pretty observant. I've never worn a white shirt in my life in a game. And I came out in a white shirt and they're like, what are you doing? I said, Today's the day of first. I'm wearing this shirt first time. We're going to win two games on the last day of the first time and win our first national championship. And, um, you know, you're always trying to find anything you can find as a coach to get them a little more fired up, to give them a little more confidence. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's why we won, but it was just one of those days, you know, you will never forget that experience. And, you know, we won the second the coin toss to be home the last game and, you know, just the winning a coin toss was like the greatest momentum of all time. I remember like jumping them down, like we're home, we're home. And just, it was just an unbelievable day of, uh, you know, watching your kids truly go through the grind of losing that first game to getting embarrassed 11 to four and then getting back and get being a walk off in the seventh. And you just, you just kind of saw, you know, the word mental toughness is thrown all over the world these days, but you really saw what they were made of um, in that tournament. And that was just a great experience. Yeah, like you saw the the whole gamut, which I think was going to lead me to my next question is, you know, you don't just have one season and it's like the best season the entire year. Like every season has its highs and lows. And of course, every program has that. But can you identify a few of those highs and lows throughout the season that helped you be prepared for that final game when everything was on the line? Uh, we, had, we had a great start. Um, obviously, we lost a nail biter to seeing you on a walk off. And it was just one of those weird, you know, three kids come in a semester. So is it one of those years we've never had that happen? So we had a lot of change early, which is can be good or bad. Um, luckily, our kids bought into it. Um, you know, we lost a home game to Muskegon, and after they beat us, they chanted, we left our mark. Um, and the next day, they lost two games to the conference. So, you know, that was their their big moment. And I thought we just finally, it started to click a little bit. Defensively, I thought we were pretty well solid the whole year. Um and it just kind of just kind of started to come together, and you just kind of saw them gain momentum. And um, you know, if I knew if we could score enough runs, our pitching staff was good enough, and our defense was by far the best we've had in here in a long time. And you win game on those. So basically, people ask me like, you know, how did this happen? And I think you you gain success through failure. So if you look at our senior class, who was really dominant, their freshman year, they come in, we finished third in the country that year before, and they expect to play for you know some pretty special. Well, it's COVID year. So we played 10 games, season's over. The mm -hmm. next year we, you know, you play that weird schedule. It was a mess. It wasn't very enjoyable for any of us. And we're 30 and eight with a young team. 
We're in the championship game of our conference tournament, and we get a COVID test. And I'm the one doing the testing. So morally, for about 10 seconds, I'm like, do I just bury this or do I, you know? So no, we had to go with forward. We presented it, and um, we don't make the NCAA tournament into like a 14-year streak or whatever it was uh, because of COVID. And so there's a heartbreaking loss. And the next year, we start off 0-7. And we give you by number one, two, three, five, six, seven, eighteen, whatever it was. I mean, it was an unbelievable schedule. And I missed a couple of games. My my little guy was had appendix burst, had to have surgery, and didn't do very well a couple of days. So I flew over from our trip, and it was just you think about the senior class, all the adversity they went through, and then you get to the senior year, um, and obviously we knew we had a chance to be pretty good with the pitching staff that we had and the freshman of the year coming in that we thought we'd be pretty special. Um, and we're playing well, and we just had to find a way in practice to make them lose. So we came up with all different kind of drills that, you know, now they know because I've talked about it. They really couldn't win, but they would mm-hmm. fail over and over again in practice. And there's always consequences on a program. You know, there's a winner and a loser. In today's society, you know, you can't call someone a loser. Well, if you're not a winner, you're a loser. So there would be some kind of, you know, maybe running or some kind of embarrassment punishment. We had to, like, open doors and bark like a dog or just something stupid. They had to do to teammates uh, just to let you know, hey, you weren't the winner that day. <laughs> And really, it kind of created a culture where they couldn't wait for game days because it was so much easier, and they could win on game day, and they couldn't win on practice day. You know, we kind mm. of we kind of made the field like the weight room. I mean, you can't beat the weight room. You can go in there and get stronger, but you're never going to beat that room. And we made practice that way. Um, and luckily for us, they loved it. And there's days they they probably you know hate us for it. Um, but one of the best moments was this, this simple bunting drill, and they they were failing over and over again. And our trainer came out and said. Hey, you get one pitch to put a button down and she put it down and they carried her off the field. I'm like, if she can do it, why can't you as a college athlete, you know, just a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, we're saying, guys, it's simple. Get the bun down. Um, and you look at the tournament, we got our buns down and executed really well. So I think one moment was probably carrying our trainer off the field, like Rudy, when she won the drill for, it. you know, but we had to find a way to kind of get them to realize it's not that hard. It's, it's between the years because you're not getting it down. It's not your skill set. And so I think all that failure over the years of when we talked about, led to you know they believed it and they they weren't caught off guard when they got beat they were pissed but they realized hey like it's like blue machine drill they beat us the next day we beat it um and that mm. was the mentality it was really special to watch as a group see that set in and, and work that's so interesting that you make them lose like every day i think it's awesome like i i work with athletes um in person in the cage and sometimes i'll be like this is the last ball of the day you're either going to win the challenge or not and when they don't, they're like, can I get one more? And I'm like, no, nope. like, you don't get one more in softball. Like, sorry, <laughs> you don't. Um, and like, even the parents are like, just let her hit another. I'm like, no, like what, what type of standard are we setting? Yeah. But it's, I think it's the same type of muscle that you're trying to, you know, create for your athletes. It's like, get them used to losing, get them used to it. So when they win once it's going to be, you know, even more awesome, but then if they lose, like you said, like they're not, they're not taking that to the grave with them. You know, they're just like, crap. Like, how do we win this next game? You know, I think too, you know, the travel ball mentality is, you know, you play how many games a weekend and you hear all the time, well, those don't matter. It's not bracket play. Well, in college, that one loss can take you out of regional rankings. It can take you out of a conference from first to fifth. So yeah. you have to find ways to reinstate that winning can, it, it should hurt. You know, it's ever true. If, if, if you lose, you go home, you sleep right away, you don't want to play here. I want you to at least be rolling around once or twice saying, what the heck have we done better today? Like, it should hurt. And if it doesn't hurt, you're not investing. Um, you know, we talk a lot about if you take a test, you've never studied for it and you flunk it, you have an excuse. Well, I wasn't prepared. But if you study for a month, two weeks, you know, you're up till one o'clock, 
two weeks prior to this test, you're and you still, and now you flunk it, it hurts because you mm-hmm. were invested. And so, you know, one thing we have to do as coaches is to get our kids to invest so much that when they do get beat or lose, it hurts inside. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big loss. I probably shouldn't be mentioning this, but my husband plays golf and he plays with his buddies on Tuesday nights. And the loser, um, if, they, if they ever do like a one-on-one and like, let's say my husband loses, the guy who beat him has to, I think he gives him a signed dollar. <laughs> and it's like, the and he has to post it up in his locker. And like, just seeing that every day is enough like to grind his gears to make him definitely want to beat him the next time. But it's like, it's like simple little things. So what, I love how you said you had like kids bark at each other, like if they lost, but what are some of those challenges that maybe like a travel ball coach could implement into a practice? Um, again, we don't want to tell our kids we're trying to make them lose, but what, what are some of those things that maybe us coaches can adopt? You know, we just put out the, you know, we'd use the hack attack or the blue machine or a live pitcher um, from the pitching coaches and they had to get so many bunts you know, as it's group in certain, in certain categories. So, you know, we draw lines, this is three points, two points, one points, and you had to get it this way to get the points or whatever. And you saw it in a game, we put a great button down the whole dugout, you know, three points, three points. Then he was like, what are they talking about? But it was that drill in a game. And that three points was, you know, we got the button down, moved the runner and she was safe because it was such a great button. And so you kind of saw that drill really come into play. Um, you know, I'm trying to think what else we do just, you know, Live behind the runner, everyone does that. But just you know, we put targets out, and they got to hit these two gaps. And if it misses by two inches, it doesn't count. You've got to hit these two gaps. Um, mm. was, well, no, they caught it because it wasn't here. So just really small details that they have to do, like you know, last ball. We'll give you one more. Nope, I want that sour taste in your mouth till tomorrow. I want that failure to carry over tonight. And like, my last week wasn't good. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, this, it, it, you're putting gas on the fire, and you just want that fire to burn bigger and bigger every day. And that nice ways to create that. That's so great. Now, if you could define that team from last season in like three words or less, how would you define them? Well, I would say I would say Ubuntu, but I have to explain what that means. And selfless was a great way um, and extremely competitive. Okay. Well, now definitely describe the first one. <laughs> so Ubuntu is, is our foundation of this program. Um, everyone asks, what's, you know, what is trying to solve all about? And the first thing I say is Ubuntu. And it's U-B-U-N-T-U. And you'll see it on our championship ring. You'll see it on the jackets or sweatshirt or bracelets, hats, whatever. It's everywhere you go. It's actually on our new field. It's left ter- left territory and foul territory and right field. It's six foot by 25, says Ubuntu. And it's basically I am because we are. And it's it's a mm. philosophy of, in, in Tennessee, used it this year. I heard uh, their announcers talking about it. Some of my alumni were watching the game and sent it to me. Uh, but basically, this means that everyone is equal. Everyone has a role. Um, no one ever needs an invitation. And that you are loved and accepted immediately for who you are once you enter this program. Um, it's just a way of caring about other people's success more than your own. So if you when you look in the mirror, that's the last person you should care about. You should care about everyone to your left, your right, your teammates, professors, whatever it is. And we start really small with softball and talk about, you know, it doesn't even care who plays who plays shortstop, it doesn't care who plays center field, it doesn't matter who bats first or fourth. It doesn't matter who starts the game. It, it's pitching staff. It, all that matters in, in the game, the scoreboard's in our favor. And we don't care who gets the credit. And we start with something like that small and we try to kind of face into a lifestyle of just caring more about other people. And that's that's my favorite part of this job is they come in as a freshman. They have to take this little quiz about what this word means. And they give me the Webster Dictionary definition. And then as a senior, I ask them again, and I might get a three-page example of what this means. And then as alumni of 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I get phone calls and emails. Hey, this happened today. And all I think about 
this was a boom to how it changed my life or someone else's life. You know, so we challenge our kids every day to how many random acts of kindness can you send out into the world to better yourself and better your better your community. Mm. That and, is so cool. And that last, is so cool. Last year's team was a great example of that. So if you look at the World Series, we took out our player of the year center fielder and put a freshman in, and she gets the game winning run in game two, hits a game or hits a home run in game three. Um, that's 450 makes all tournament team. And then we move her and put her behind Debbie Hill. And she's because they walked her 11 out of 13 times in the final series. And mm-hmm. she had almost 400 and had some huge at bats for us. Um, you know, we, we took out our starting catcher and put a different catcher because it was a better matchup. We DH for our left, our third baseman, who was one of our best hitters because she was in a mental slump. You know, and, and no one, no one threw a fit. No one got mad. I mean, yeah, as an athlete, they, you know, one be taken out, but you understood. And you look down, and you see our our senior center fielder player of the year, year four. First one, I got to high five the freshman. We had good, we had a chance to win it all because of that, not because mm-hmm. of the talent, but because they bought into everyone else and everyone else having success. And that's what separates good from great. I couldn't agree more. So a few weeks ago, we had Pat Murphy on the podcast, and I was asking about his 2004 team that won the national title. And he said that that team had adopted Mudita, which it's very similar to Ubuntu. Like they sound like similar words that include selflessness. It includes putting someone else before yourself. And I think the way he also described it, it's very similar, is when you can be so happy for someone else's success before your own. Yep. And like, but like you have two separate words, two different things you've adopted. And what I love most about it is you made it about you guys. You didn't make it about, oh crap, the other team has a rise ball pitcher who throws 75. Like you didn't make it about um, anything about the other other team. It's about you guys adopting this word and adopting it and living it out. And you must have seen it throughout the whole season and not just that day. No, we did. Um, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it's happened a couple of times, but you know, those years are the special ones. And when you, when you see it coming, like, okay, we got a shot. Like this team has a chance because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, Pat, our meeting, the first thing we talked about was sacrifice. Like that was going to be our phrase all year long. Ubuntu, yes, foundation, but hashtag sacrifice will be everything we do this year. And if you guys will sacrifice, we have a shot. So, you know, as a coach, I've always struggled with do you, when you think you have a chance to win it, do you mention it? Do you take about, you know, step one, step two, step three, you never talk about the end, you talk about the process, right? So, and I've always mentally fought myself on that. Like, what do I do? So this year, I'm like, screw it. We all know it's in the back of their mind. We finished National Round the year before. We got better. We brought in better players. Like, we upgraded some pieces. So first day of practice, I handed a blank sheet of paper. And I said, write down your goal for this team. And don't write down what I want to hear. Write down your goal for this team. And we had 26 players, and everyone had the same exact expression. Win National Championship. And I said, okay, one, two, three, flip them over. And everyone's the same. I said, okay, there. We talked about it. And now we're getting back on the process to achieve it. I said, go back, put in your locker, and hang them up. And sure enough, all year long, they're hanging there. We get to the locker room in Texas, and all those signs, I didn't tell them, are hanging right there in the locker room they gave us there. I mean, it was just a really cool how they just, you know, they didn't, we didn't win anything that day. But at least we opened up, got out of the way. Hey, that's our goal. Now, how do we get there? And if never, mm. we focused on each day, how to get close to the top of the mountain. What's crazy is, you know, winning a national title and coming second from a seasonal perspective, like you really don't have to do much else different, you know, No. but 
do you feel like you kept doing the things that were make, that were working the year prior or are you making big massive changes the next year to, in order to get the national title well you know we got we got better offensively that was a huge difference uh, we had better pitching that was a big difference and i told him the first day I said, don't we're not going to practice four more hours a day to get that last step we have to smoke, practice the same amount be more efficient and work on things that we didn't do well I think mm. the biggest thing is when, once you get there and you get a team back, just the experience and the calmness and, and know what's going to happen. Like, you know, our kids had been there. You know, we had a weather delay in the MIAA tournament. We had a weather delay in the conference and the Super Regionals and the Regionals. So guess what? We had three weather delays in Texas. You know, we had we had breakfast. It was breakfast, but it was dinner at 1.30 a.m. at Applebee's and 12.30 in the lobby. And so kids read until two in the morning one night. We played the next morning. So, you know, it was just whatever could happen, happened. But it happened every round, and they were used to it. So mm-hmm. we didn't change a lot of things. We just got more detail on things that we had to do better. Um, and obviously, when you have kids hit the ball out of the park more, hit it more consistent, everything works better. Um, but we definitely upgraded our defense a little bit. And we had, we had a couple more kids that were a little more outspoken and a little more fiery. Um, yeah. We had an assistant coach, uh, Coach Foster, who played at UND, who was a little fireball. I mean, she's just a fired up, full energy. Um, and she did an unbelievable job a couple of days for our games in, in the World Series. She got on the table and gave a big speech. And just, you know, they left, they left that room and they could run to the wall. And it was because of her energy. Um, and I gave a lot of credit to, to her ability to just go, you know, screw it. This is our day. Um, and we're going to be fine. And, uh, you know, we talked about, hey, all we got was a longer journey. If we lost the first game, they had more memories to make up to write a better movie. Uh, and they just really believed that it was their time. That's awesome. So were any of those adjustments from one season to the next player led, like by your captains, by your leaders on the team? Did they have any say in, you know, how this next year is going to be different? Um, yeah, they had a little more. They kind of talked about we want to have a little leadership where it's more. Everyone grabbed the rope and no one kind of pointing. They felt that sure. you were a little bit of that. Um, they wanted a little more say. So when we had the, so we had three transfers come in the semester. Who one was player of the year, pitcher of the year, D three the year before, um, and leader and um, hits the year before. And so when they called the one to transfer in, we didn't say yes. We didn't say no. The first thing we said was, "Well, I don't know you, and I need to talk to our team." So we brought our cal. We don't have captains. Uh, we're not driving a boat. I've always thought that's weird. We have leaders, and leaders emerge. So yep. We talked to all of our upperclassmen, all of that I think are leaders, and said, what do you guys want to do? And, you know, this is probably the greatest story of all time, I think, softball-wise, is our senior pitcher, who was hurt the year before, who was really good but was injured um, with a bicep injury back from high school swimming days. And they're all they're all kind of talking about, we, we bring Michonne in, you know, what's he going to do to our pitching staff? And we already had a pretty good staff the year before, and we had the freshman coming in, we know he's going to take some innings. And... Anna step stands up and says, listen, why are we talking about this? We all talk about we won the national championship, and this kid helps us. So what are we arguing about? Why are we even thinking about this? We bring her in, we figure out chemistry, and move on. And then she looks at me and says, and if she does come in with her and Debbie, I know I probably won't pitch one in, and I'm fine with it. I want to win. But I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll be the best leader. I'll do. The, I'll keep the book, whatever. And the kid turns around, and guess what? I had the lowest ERA in the country last year, and was 16-0. And it was our best pitcher. And she's the first one to recruit Debbie, the first one to tell the transfer to get here. And so it's just a great example of being being a great person, got you great results. 
um, doing the right thing, paid off for that kid. Uh, lowest ERA in the country and was undefeated. Wow. I have goosebumps. That is the greatest story of all time. Yes. That is what, I mean, it's, it's your word. I, I'm going to, I'm going to barf it up. Like <laughs> I, I want to like keep saying it, but I think I'm going to say it wrong. But like another act of selflessness that like you don't ask those kids to do, but they're doing it because yep. they know that the team has standards to go win a championship and that, and it's what it's going to take. How cool. So I can't relate to this. I've never been ranked number one in the nation, but you guys clearly have. Um, Purdue basketball is now ranked number one in the nation. And I'm just like, I'm wondering, you know, how are they going to be able to keep that and then hopefully win a national title? But you guys were ranked number one and won a national title. What type of, you know, pressures did you guys feel? Did you feel them? Um, Were you more focused on you? Did, Did any of that, you know, the talkers or the social media posts, like, did any of that get in the way? And if so, what did you guys have to do to navigate through that in order to still win a national title? You know, we talk every every pregame about I could care less what's in the dugout across the field. If this dugout does what it's supposed to do, if we're the best communicators, if we bring the most energy, if we're the most focused, um, if we follow the game plan and we do it for each other, that dugout doesn't mean a, doesn't mean a thing. If we're worried about them and now that we got to play at their level, then we're in trouble. But you got to remember they've got to come to you and make them come to you every single game. And if we do that, you're going to win 95% of those games. Um, but if we start worrying about who gets this or who does that, that's not us. So all we can control is what we do. We can't control what they're going to throw to us. We can't control what the umpires are going to do. That's not your job. Your job is to control what you bring to this team. So what shadow are you casting, good or bad? And can we just be us? And if we're us, we believe every game is a winnable game. Mm. That's so well said. And I was just about to ask you, like, if there's a target on your back, what do you say? But, like, what else could you say? We show up and do the thing that we have practiced all year long to do. And what anybody else has to say or do doesn't even matter. No. And, like, it's, it's how cool is that? Everyone in this circle is buying in. It doesn't matter what everyone else says. Just keep it in this circle. That's incredible. Now, I want to know this. Is Are you... When you have recruits come on campus, is that one of the hot like hot topics that you definitely bring up? Like, it's not about anybody else; it's about this team and our culture and what we build. Yes. Um, so we don't allow, allow kids to to commit on the first visit. Um, mm. My first visit is for me to get to know you, and to know your parents, and see if first of all, if you fit what we're trying to do here. Um, are you the, the right person? I tell them all the time: it's, it's easy to find good players; it's hard to find great kids. So. First of all, you got to pass my test. And I'm like, well, D3, you got to take whatever you get. No, you can recruit to a system. It just takes more work. You know, there's certain kids that we go out and we can't get her. Well, we're going to find a way. Um, if you get three or four of those kids you're not supposed to get, guess what? You're pretty good. So our recruits come in. The first thing we talk about is, yes, the culture. Um, I, I tell them some of the stories about why our culture is special. Because every coach says, yeah, our team's a family and they get along. Kim's just great. Because every recruit wants to hear that. So you've got to kind of break down why are they, why are they a family? Why is the culture strong? and then give examples of, of what we've done, what they've done on their own um, to prove that. So culture is the, probably the biggest thing that we are looking at in the type of player, not the athlete, but the type of person that is the athlete. Mm-hmm. It does take work to find not just the talented kid, but the one that can fit in to what you're building. I'm just going to keep name dropping, but Molly Fickner was on the podcast saying the same exact thing. She literally asks her players like you did, you know, with the pitcher that you were going to bring on. And she's just like, what do you what do you guys think of this player? And and she's like, I want your honest opinion. What will it be like playing with this with this person? 
Um, cause it does matter. I mean, the girls are the ones that are out there competing. Right. And if you can kind of, you know, one, know what they want and two, allow them to have part of the conversation of like, is this kid going to help our culture? Is she going to like, I think, I think those are great conversations to, to then have. And I love that you don't recruit anybody or get somebody to say yes to you on the first day. Cause that's when like the lights are the brightest, right? Yeah, like, and, and let it cool down and, and you know, get out, get off the stage and still, still what you want. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, so. Well, I think, you know, we have to understand that it's not, it's not my team. My name's on the door. Yes. If we lose it, I take that credit, but it's not my team. It's, coaching staff team it's the players team they're all invested and so we're all in this together so yes some decisions we're going to make but they have say they have input and um you, know, you have to be able to trust them and every year at some point you have to go here here are the reins it's your team to finish this we can take you so high but if we're going to make the next step it has to be led by you guys we'll put this guy report together we'll take you through all the things you need to know we'll say go and stay hopefully you're doing your own on the bases and we'll do the lineup but you guys have to make the plays this is my 2019th year. I haven't had a hit yet. And I probably never will. You know, I've made mistakes, but I haven't even helped win the game. It's they're making the plays. And so you mm-hmm. make sure that you let them lead and teach them how to lead. We have what we call the Ubuntu Cup. We put them in groups all, all year long. And let's say you make the Dean's List, but your teammates do too in your group of three or four. Your points double. If you go to community service, but you take your teammates, your points double. And so it's all about building that accountability and that relationship and just putting people together to spend more time together. Because again, if you if you know them personally, you care more about them. And you're gonna do extra things to, to fight for them and be there for them. And that's really what this is all about. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. A boom too. I just need to keep saying it so I can keep referring to it and say it right. You know what I haven't done in a while? It's a listener shout out. I am stoked to be able to give you another one today. And today's is from Tracy Willemson. And she wrote this on Apple Podcasts. It is titled, I'm Addicted. She said, I have found your show three days ago and have been binge listening ever since. I have learned more from you in the past three days than I have in the five years my daughter has been playing. I found you at such a critical time. Tracy, that means so much. I find it absolutely nuts that people find this podcast right when they need it. I've heard that many times, and I'm so, so grateful that you came across this podcast. I'm so grateful that you even wrote this review and helped us spike and get more ears on it. Um, And I'm sure you're sharing with your tribe because if you've learned that much so fast, I can't wait to share more with you. And I can share more with you guys when you guys write reviews like this. It means the world, of course, but it also helps this podcast reach more viewers. So I just want to thank you so much, Tracy, for just taking those few minutes to write this review. If this encourages you to go write a review, I'm here for it. Maybe one day I'll give you a listener shout out on the show. But Tracy, today is your day. I love this podcast. I love that you love this podcast. And I can't wait to share more episodes with you. All right, let's head back to the show. Now, with that, I love that you let the team lead, but obviously there, there's a reason why you're the head coach. Like, you, you have to hold standards. Um, what are some of those standards that are non-negotiables for your team? Um, I mean, you have to give us your best in the classroom. Uh, if your best is, if you're a chemical engineer and your best is a, is a 2-9, then 
that's probably a four zero in every other of your major. So, you know, you you have to you have to want to be held accountable every single day. You know, your parent, you'll find this out if you tell your kid to stop it. I'm going to come and spank you, or put you in timeout, or whatever it is. And after the thirteenth time you haven't done anything, the fourteenth time is going to happen. Fifteenth time is going to happen because you haven't backed up what you said. So your kids have to respect the fact that if they do something dumb, they know you're going to hold them accountable. And they know that you have their best interest at heart, but there are certain things that have to be done the right way. Um, you know, that's an effort thing. We talk it's all the time. If you, you give me the best effort you have, but you, you don't succeed, that's fine. I'll be the first one to give you a high five and a hug. But if you take a, a break physically or mentally and that causes something we don't want, yeah, I'm going to let you know that's unacceptable because you control effort and you control attitude. Amazing. I have to know this. So you were talking about behind the ears know the mental part like being important how are you guys working on that um you know we've had mental coaches come in we've read all kinds of books we've done you name it we've probably tried it but i think the biggest thing we can do is um in my example is kind of a long answer but there's personality a right so personality let's just say they show up half hour early every day they sit in the first row of class they demand a 4-0 they might fall to a 3-8 or 3-9 but they they want that 4-0 they do all the little things without being asked. Then you have personality B shows up right on time or shows up five minutes late with a, with a great excuse that that's understandable. And is the first one out of the locker room, first one not to pick up a ball, first one not to do little things. You know, they're sitting in the back of the row of class and they're, they're happy with a 2-5 or 2-7. And you put those two kids together in a group of them and that's how you get bad chemistry. And that's how you have issues. But if you get everyone on the bus, personality A, it drives pretty easily because they all have the same destination. The GPS all is going to the same spot. And there's no one that's trying to make that detour to take a day off or, or to make an excuse. So I think we have to do a good job as a staff and all coaches to, to get the personnel that you want on the bus and let them drive it once they've earned that. Mm, yeah. So from a staff perspective, do you have a staff of all the same like type A's? I mean, obviously within that standard, yes, but are, do you guys have different personalities? Like, how do you guys mesh? Yeah, we do. I mean, Coach Smith's been here 14 years, and I'm not going to say how old he is, but he's older. I am in my 40s, and Coach Foster is our second year out of, out of college. So there's definitely different generations there that see things totally different. You know, but we try to, again, talk about everything together and figure out what's the best. And I think we do a good job of, I don't talk to the pitching staff about pitching. He doesn't really talk to hitters about hitters. I don't go out and mess with the outfielders. We, we stay in our own lane and we, we, I trust them to do their job. And I've been fortunate with a great staff for a long time that truly loves this game and is, is more dedicated. And, you know, for what I pay them, what they do, it doesn't even add up at all. Um, but again, they're very passionate and love this game. And, uh, and they're always recruiting. They're always working. It's, it's great to know that, you know, if something happened, I was gone for a week. We're not going to skip a beat because they know the expectation and they're going to hold themselves accountable and the team accountable. But definitely. Mm different personalities and we do the you know we'll do all the personality tests and we'll get so we know everyone we're kind of where they fit in the spectrum and then you know the first thing in the fall we have to fill out this big assignment and it changes every year a bunch of different definitions that i want to know what it means to them i know my definition but what's it mean to them at 18 22 24 we'll ask them what ubuntu means and it's really cool to see their first year their fifth year fourth year how they answer changes in the different scenarios ask them about their life goals your you know, your family, you know, if you ask someone, hey, how about your family? You might get 10 words. But if you ask them to write it down, you might get two pages. So now, guess what? You might have over 500 pages that you got to read and you got to do it. That way, you know. And then when you're in the, 
you know, one-on-one cage times. You can talk about that kind of stuff. And you're constantly just trying to build that trust back and forth. And so they mm-hmm. know you care about them more as a person than an athlete. Um, and that's one thing we do on the mental side is pretty strong is they absolutely know that we care about them as a person. If they have to miss because their dog is sick, that's fine. If they have to miss because mom, dad, or cousin, whatever, back home needs them, they go. Um, you know, our priorities here are, again, to the Lord, your family, your education, softball. Yeah, softball could be fourth, fifth, or sixth. That's fine. Game day slides up, non-game day slides back down. But our kids know that that's, that's how it's going to be here. Mm. And I love that they have clear expectations. Like, they know exactly what's in front of them and that you're going to hold them accountable. And as someone who coached on college staffs for three years, I want to just reiterate allowing each coach to be in their own lane. And and because as a player, if you know that if you need help with your hitting, I know exactly who I'm going to ask. I'm not going to go beat around the bush to another coach and try to fluff over there. No, like I need to go to the coach who's going to give me the answer that maybe I don't want, but that I need yep. because that's how I'm going to get better. Because if you beat around the bush, work through other coaches and I'm talking to coaches here, like just really pay attention to this because you don't need three different coaches trying to work on hitting and each of them has their own way of saying the same thing. That's just confusing. Yep. Um, I think that's, that's something that I just wanted to reiterate because I love that you do that um, because your players now know exactly who to go to instead of find themselves in a cobweb. And again, kind of what you said, if you and I are working together, we might have one little signal that tells you what you need to do. You know, we're a super regional game. I wear my hitters. Her back foot can get a little screwy. She can get a little, you know, spin on too much and stay back. And so I have one little hand signal that I, tells her what I want her to do. And first pitch, she just misses under. I give her the hand signal. Next pitch is a two-run home run that helps win the game. Mm. Then it where I put my hand in a certain position, and she knew exactly what I meant because in the cage, that's what I would do when when she wouldn't do it right. And she kept her on third base, and she did the same signal back to me and said, thanks, coach. You're right. Like, you know, it's just – so if one person's giving all the signals and all the information on that topic, you're right. It's so much easier to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, curious. How would you define your coaching style personally? <laughs> they get the question all the time. It's always hard to answer. Uh, I'd love to hear their answer. I think they would say, you know, I would say that I'm very competitive. So I was the youngest of five. I didn't win anything until I was like almost in high school or college. It's a long would, time waiting. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, they would, they probably say that um, very passionate, but also understanding. I um, hope they would say that. And then I would take most time, I'm usually pretty upbeat and pretty fired up as long as they're giving me good effort. So I think that's mean that they probably say about me is that, you know, definitely has their back um, and cares about them, but also loves to win it and will hold them accountable and, and, and push them every day. Mm, I love that. And I, and I can tell that's just an authentic answer. But the crazy thing is some of those almost sound cliche because it's like everybody says that thing, but I can tell you live that out. You know, like I guarantee you, if I go ask one of your players, I'll ask <laughs> Debbie, like she would probably say the same thing. But, you know, I think one thing that I can tell from my end is that you, you don't ask for the credit ever. Like you don't want the credit. It's you're helping guide the, these players and you're going to put those players before yourself always. Um, but that's just something that I see. No, I appreciate um, that. I, I hope yeah. that, you know, that's, it's, it's not about us. You know, we get to be a, a small blimp in their, in their life story for four years. If you do a good job, you're in that blimp the rest of your life. You know, that's, that's the best part. So you can come in and, you know, they don't really know where they're going or they have a goal and you get to help them get to that goal. And that, that's the best part. I mean, it's way too much times about 
about the coach and what they've done. It's not about that at all. It's about what we can do for these kids and get them their degree and get them into a spot where they can have a career and be happy. I mean, just love them unconditionally. They deserve that. I mean, they're going through four of the hardest years of their life. Might as well make it fun. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, seriously, though. I remember leaving Purdue and I was like, how am I alive? Like, (laughs) you just, you go through so much. Um, So I have two final questions for you. I feel like we've been talking for, you know, five minutes, but it's almost been 45. Now, how are you able, because you get a new team every year, like you have some players that have been here for a few years, but all in all, every every year is a new year. How are you able to focus, you know, with the big goal in mind, but like emphasize the process and have that adopted by the teams that you're leading? Oh, we tell them like, you know, one major rule about this program is the players graduate and leave, but the expectations do not. So we tell them, recruit them, like, you're going to put more work in here. You're going to spend more time in the cage on the field. In return, you're going to get a lot more out of it at the end. Um, so no coming in, that's, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. it'd be easier to go somewhere else and, and juggle engineering. Now engineering is here is unbelievable. And I think our program is pretty good as well. So you're going to get more at the end, but it's going to be hard. And just make sure you understand that sacrifice coming in. But each year our goal is to win that championship. And you know, finally, it finally happened. Um, but I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I think you ha- in life, you have to earn your dues and, and pay your time. And eventually if you keep grinding, good things will happen to you. If you do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, recruiting never ends. Ask my wife. Um, I am always on my phone times where she was want me to be, uh, you know, I gotta take this call. I got to go see this kid. You know, she's probably the one that says, Hey, why is ball ball getting so out of control? Cause you used to be gone for two weekends. Now you're gone nine. You know, I'm trying to balance coaching basketball teams and, and being at T-ball and, and going to see all these kids. Uh, luckily my staff is awesome. I'll go out whenever I want them to. But I think that's the biggest thing is you've, you've got to develop that relationship and get those key players that people say you can't get, you know, we didn't get here by going to get the average kid. We went out to kid kids away from scholarship schools uh, because we outworked them. I mean, I was at the convention two years ago. I had a coach come say, I don't like you. I'm mad at you. And I said, I don't even know you for what, well, I gave such and such a full ride and she can't play for you. And my response was, well, how that happened? I go, how many times did you see her play once? I said, I watched her 85 times. Here's my answer. I outworked you. And they said, good answer. Um, let me buy you a drink. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we hung out the rest of the night talking about things. So it's just, it's, mm. you know, that's D3 mentality. You have to be that way. If you're successful, you have to outwork people because we can't say, here's your athletic scholarship. Here's your academic package, which could be just as good. But to get to that point, you have to create that relationship. So I think we stay at this high level by treating our kids the right way, providing a great education, but also outworking everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned fall ball and I know you're passionate about fall ball and where it's been, where it's going. What is, what is your perspective on it? Cause I currently, I see burnout happening for athletes if they're playing this many games in the fall. Yeah. And, and we're the ones that deal with that. So, you know, they worked so hard to get here. And by that point, you know, they've been playing for mom and dad at certain times and they're, and they're playing for them. And I mean, playing under them, going to practice for them because they're living parents living through them at times and they get here and they get a little bit of freedom and they quit and not just Mm. here everywhere. So no, I think fall ball used to be, you know, St. Louis and scenic city, you know, you basically played in those two tournaments and that was good. And now you're playing Alabama, California, you know, all over the place, nine weekends. So how are these kids going to homecoming? How are they playing a fall sport? How are they going to football games? Just being a student. Because we know in the spring, they're not doing any of that. They're they're, they're in softball, but now I'm not going to play high school because I got to play travel. I got to play travel year round. 
Um, and you hear, well, we can't afford it. We just spent $15,000 in travel. That's a semester or more at a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's blowing up. I think it's out of control. Um, you know, I'm sure travel coaches don't like that, but it's, at what point is it not about the player anymore? It's about making money and saying we got to do all this. Exactly. Uh, we're taking mm-hmm. way too much out of the classrooms. How much class time are they missing? I mean, it's, and how can they get to a camp? So you have four schools that are located in the four hour radius of your school, but you're playing in four tournaments that are 15 hours away. You have no intention of playing out there. And the coaches you want to see aren't there because guess what? We're at practice. Mm. So I don't get it. Um, and I, I will argue that with any travel coach that wants to have that conversation that it's getting out of control. I I think so too. And it's it's wild because now looking at you, it's like now you have to go take away time from maybe your family to go show this kid that you love them because they're playing in this tournament that, you know, usually you have that weekend off. Yeah. Um, it's not really fair all around. And I will reiterate, it's definitely the money. Like... <laughs> That's just where travel ball is going. People ask me all the time, why are you not coaching a travel ball team? And I'm like, bro, this is, I would rather prepare an athlete for college. Like if she wants to go play college, like I want to help her get there. If she has a big goal, I want to help her get there. It's, it's starting to get away from, you know, the athletes love for the game. Um, If there's no off season, when the heck are you going to work on the things you need to get better at? That's like my biggest thing. Don't get better in a game. The experience helps you, but you get better in the cage. You get better on your own. And that's another pet peeve is you don't need a hitting coach, pitching coach, mental coach, catching coach, shoe, shoe tying coach. I mean, get in the backyard, get a net, get a tee, get a wall, get a ball. And guess what? You can get better. Um, you don't need to be coached. And we're, we're losing that. Just go play catch. Just go play mm-hmm. the game. I mean, we grew up, you know, just playing all these crazy games in all these sports, and I guess it made you a better athlete. I mean, you look at some of the best players in the country, they were two or three sport athletes in high school, not mm-hmm. one. And they're less injured because their body's training different ways year-round instead of the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, and that's another thing with fall ball. Like, if you are if you want to play high school volleyball, it's, it's almost like you can't because no. you're, you're playing in all these tournaments. And I'm like, it's so good to play multiple sports because I was just telling this to my virtual hitters last night. You know, if you're playing a sport right now, you only have a certain amount of hours to go devote to maybe still fine tuning some things in your game. But if you're not playing a sport right now, you better be devoting a little more time to softball. But the thing is that that extra sport that you could be playing, you're learning way more about how your body can move with less amount of hours devoted, you know, to softball. You're actually getting better at softball, which is people. I don't think people get that. No, it doesn't matter if it's a game winning free throw, a game winning putt you know, a game-winning serve, whatever. Anytime your body or mind is in that pressure, it's going to better you for everything. So playing other sports is a different way to put more pressure on you, a better way to be a teammate. And guess what? If you're a star in one sport, but you're not in the other sport, so you get to the bench a little more and be more role player, and you get to college, and now you're behind an All-American, you might be that kid for a year. And if you've never been that in another sport, you don't handle it well your freshman year in college, and you walk away or you you just you fight all year long, and it's terrible on you because you've never been in a situation. So playing more than one sport is going to teach you so much more than just X's and O's, but also how do you handle adversity and, and not getting what you want? That's so well said. So well said. Now, my final question for you, there's a stigma around D3, and I just wanted to get the elephant out because people wanted you on the podcast because you are a D3 head coach. Um, a lot of people have told me they want you for this specific reason. Why is D3 special? Why should athletes not have the D1 or bus mentality? 
what what's what do you have to say about it? Um, basically, <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. Um, you know, take all the time you need. <laughs> this is my 19th year, and so I, I will say that I've, I've had offers to go to places that are non D3 that you would see on ESPN that are bigger schools. Um, and I stay here for several reasons. Here, as a coach, I can be a dad first and a coach second. And I would never want to give up my family for to be a coach. Because you get 18 years and they move out and they move on. You know, they don't live longer. I'm fine with that too in my house. But um, you know, D3 is a little bit different where again it's 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 a much more academic mindset. So for a doctor, for a physical therapist, for an engineer, it's it's an easy not easier, but it's a better balance of softball and academics. So we do get a lot of our academic kids. Now, with that being said, do we put a lot of time in? Yes, we do. But you're going to be treated a little bit different as well. You're going to have a little more freedom to do things you want. And the stigma is, well, D3 is not very good. Well, I can tell you there's a lot of bad D1 teams. There's a lot of bad D2 teams. And in my years here, we've won more than we've lost. We played two D1 teams last year in the spring scrimmage and this fall. And guess what? We didn't lose. So we can play. Now, can we go up to the big schools, top five? No, we're going to get beat. We, we, we get that. All right. But if you put us in a mid-major conference, we're going to we're gonna hold our own. So the, what makes D3 special is that great story. So every year it is final exams, conference tournament, and then NCAA tournament. Well, one year the calendar fell funny. So it's going to be conference tournament, final exams, NCAA tournament, same week. Well, one year we didn't put a bid in, so we're going to have to travel. And I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? And all of a sudden, my door gets knocked down. I get phone calls, you know, professors. How do we help you, coach? You're number two in the country this year. It could be your year. How do we help you? Wow. We won't leave till Wednesday. Well, they put us in a bracket with a, a school that can't play on Sundays because of religious beliefs. So tournament goes forward two days. So now we need to leave, really need to leave on Tuesday or Monday. But I feel like we could leave the night before, not practice, and just play. Which, you know, not great, but we could do it. So they come back again. No, why don't we do this? Tell your kids we'll be in our office on Friday. They can come study. We'll give them extra help. We'll sit with them and ask questions. We'll stay in our office all day Saturday, all day Sunday. They can schedule a time, take the test. So Sunday night, everyone's done with finals. We get on the bus. First game tournament, we had seven home runs, set the NCAA record. Win the tournament, go to Oklahoma City, and play on, on the big field. A great experience for our kids, right? And we're the only team there that wasn't taking finals that wasn't scheduled. So... Those kids are writing papers, doing their things because their finals, they didn't change it. But certain D3 schools like us were going to balance it so well that I give all the credit to the professors. That's why we won that tournament because our wow. engineers were relaxed. You know, engineers from final exams, don't wave at them, don't text them, don't call them. They have one focus. They're yeah. relaxed. They played great. So that's what makes D3 it's just a better balance of why you're here. Um, and again, we, you're not a social security number. You are a name. You're not here because we're, we're paying for you to be here. You're here because you left, simply love the game and you're playing because you want to. Um, and just, it just makes a different experience in my opinion. You have given me goosebumps three times now during this interview, <laughs> but how cool to get phone calls from professors. I remember some professors in college that were just pissed that we're playing in the spring and they won't like let us do an assignment, even though like technically they have to, like our academic advisor was, was calling professors. Like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you making this harder than it needs to? And you literally see the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a true give and take. Um, it's a, it's a balance of what's best from their end and our end for the student. And that's what mm. makes it way different than, 
you know, and, and travels a little bit less. Now, yes, we're not traveling by horse and buggy and, and vans. You know, we're in charter buses. We're flying to places. You know, we're still getting a ton of gear. I mean, our kids get more gear than they ever need. It's very similar in a lot of ways, but it's different in this is a different mindset for the student uh, academically. Mm -hmm. Wow. I just think that's incredible, especially for that kid who wants to be a vet or who wants to be a pharmacist. Like if you go to, I'm just saying Purdue just because I obviously know it, but if you want to go to Purdue and do that or even athletic training, it's just not going to work from a schedule perspective and from what D1 demands, like it would be a miracle if you can make it work. But I love that you're able to take the the athlete who does take her academics so seriously. My youngest sister, Anna would have been perfect at trying, but she didn't play softball. So, um, but like if you, cause those kids probably get it. Like they, they're not going to go and make a million dollars playing softball. Like they have to go to work once school's over and what better way to prepare when you have that perfect balance, you still get to play the sport that you love you, you do have actual people and professors that care for you to get a good degree as well at the same time. And it's like, it sounds like the perfect balance. So no wonder why you haven't left. You know, our kids will miss practice once in a while to go to a help session, to go to a job fair. I mean, we had a kid that I met when she was 12 and tried to talk to me at a tournament. And I said, no, 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 too young. I can't talk to you. So she emails me and I, I read it and said, you know, my goal is to, to be an engineer and to work for Nike. So guess what? Mm. She comes to me and say, can I, can I miss Thursday, Friday, Saturday practice. And I said, well, you know, sure. But you why, know, you know, <laughs> give me that. Well, I want to fly to Houston for a job fair. Nike's going to be there. Okay. So the summer, where'd she work? She worked for Nike. And when she got the job, who'd she call screaming? Me and her teammates, other people too. But, you know, because we understood the balance of if we do our jobs, kids can miss practice here and there. If we're doing our job, preparing them all year long, they can miss day one, day two, whatever. It's not going to kill them. That's the biggest myth out there that you got to practice every day or five hours. No, if we do our job and prepare them, they can miss for things that are more important and simple. Donnie, this has been such a fun conversation. And again, the goosebumps are still there probably because <laughs> it's cold in my office too. But no, truly, this has been such an enlightening conversation. I'm so glad to finally have a prestigious D- D3 coach hanging out with me, talking the life of what it takes to win national titles. Because from what it sounds like, Pat Murphy, Power 5, trying y'all are doing the same things and winning championships so i think i i'm just so excited i'm so excited to get this out there can i can i release this tomorrow (laughs) yeah i do and uh, i appreciate having us on i think when you hear about the option of you know of d3 i mean i'm at tournament this fall it's true story coach comes out and there's a d1 school next to me and an nai school next to me and you know i i I was curious i googled and, you know, one, one, eight games and one, one, 10 games. And this coach comes out on a good program and, you know, gives them the flyer and, and talks ear off like half hour each. Doesn't, doesn't acknowledge me. And then he goes back and I'm watching, you see him get his phone out and he, he looks up, he looks back at me and comes flying back out. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I should have talked to you, you know, an hour ago. Uh, I, I didn't realize you, you were trying. And I said, it doesn't matter if I'm trying or not. We're still a college program giving them our time to watch your kids play. You can at least say hello. Right and shake my hand. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter because you, you assumed I was D three, so it's, it's it's still really fun to watch a team you know that you know you can beat and their travel ball coach is going nuts about them because they have I know. And guess what? If that kid's a four zero and and a twenty seven, we can match that. I mean, we have so many D ones that they're paying the same uh, <laughs> and they're getting a you know they're getting a better experience and they're uh, not every time, but you know they're getting a great experience and they're they're playing the game. They're on the field. So it's it's a great option if kids with this not care where the money comes from money's money. If it's athletic or academic, you know, let, totally. let people put a package together for you. And if it's not good enough, tell them, no, thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Work for you. Totally. Now, I hate to say this, but I truly think it's like an ego thing. It's it's the coaches that are like, where can I say my athletes all went to? And like, let me make sure that the the schools that are like going to get the most eyes on them are like the first ones. When oh. in reality, it's like it's not about the kid anymore. Hundred percent. I wish there was a, a like a you know we have retention reports here about how long kids stay in school. I wish each child ball program had a retention report. How many kids went D one, D two, D three? How many of those kids play all four years? How many kids mm. finished their career? How many transferred? How many were over their head because you put them in a bad spot because you wanted your resume to be bigger than theirs? You know, and, and find out how many won national championship. You know, I tell kids our top kids all the time. You can go to a mid major. That's, that's great if it, they'll pay for it. Go. But if it's not, they're not going to pay every dime. Give us a chance. And what do you want to win? A conference title, possibly. If you don't win your conference tournament, you're not going. And if you do win that, you can send to a power five. So you're probably down weekend number one. Or you can come here and never have a chance to play for a national championship all four years. The trophy's the same. When you pick it up, it doesn't matter what level you play. It's going to feel the exact same. So I see it you- behind you, by the way. <laughs> That's the little guy. But it's you're on- little. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was like way back behind you or next to you, but like, hey, you st- you still have your each each individual gets one. Yeah, but you put the trophy case. I'm like, I kind of like it on my desk, but if I was okay, it needs to go out there. So it it looks nice. Looks nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I can't thank you enough. I think this has given such great perspective to parents who have athletes who are just curious as to what they want in college, um, what it really takes, and this is. I just know your standards are so high and your culture is so good based on the talk from around this area that we live in. This has been such an enlightening, enlightening conversation. Just thank you so much for being on. Uh, appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to seeing you next week in Louisville. I know we're going to have a blast. <laughs> we usually <laughs> See do. you next week. Bye. I know. Coach Donnie has gotten so much out of his players. It's very evident that he knows what he's doing. I love this culture change that they have made. I love that they finally found the taste of what that success feels like. I firmly believe they're going to be right up there this next year because he knows and his players know what it truly takes to win. And I, I see this team doing absolute amazing things this next year. And how cool was that story of his former player sacrificing her role on the team so that they can adopt a pitcher that will help them win a national championship. Holy smokes, that was awesome. That's what it takes. It takes the selflessness. It takes putting the team before yourself and truly adopting it from every single player on the team. That's the thing that I keep learning when I do interviews like this. It takes buy-in from every single player, no matter how big your roster is, every single coach. It even took the buy-in from the professors at this university to help them win a national championship. How cool is that? I hope for this incredible success for you and your teams. And I hope that if you're a coach, you learned so much about that leadership aspect and how you truly do have to let the players kind of lead in certain situations. Such an awesome interview. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and go rate this podcast so we can jump up viewership And so we can become one of the premier sports podcasts. That's my goal. But if you enjoyed it, please share it. Do it for the game of softball. Do it because you know there's great coaches out there that we all can learn from. And I firmly believe if many teams adopt a lot of the things Donnie was talking about in this interview, 
our game is going to grow and it's going to get better. And we're going to have players be led by coaches who get it and coaches that inspire them and motivate them rather than tear them down. And that is another reason why this podcast exists. I keep throwing out reasons, but this is another huge reason. So please go share it. Please go like this podcast. Um, I'm going to be sharing things on my social media platforms that you can also share. So head on over there. All of those things can be found in the show notes, along with how you can follow Donnie on Twitter and the team. All right. I hope you have an incredible rest of your week and do not forget to stay awkward, stay humble and keep smiling. I will see you next week for another episode.